Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Thank you so much, Errol. Thank you. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Lamentations. In just a few moments, we're going to look at verses 22 and 23. The title of this message on this first Sunday of the new year is Do Over. There are plenty of people who look for second chances at the beginning of a new year. They're looking for do-overs. Some very famous people wish they could have a do-over, and some institutions wish they could go back in time and could handle things differently than the way they handled it the first time. There's no doubt that Penn State University would handle matters much differently if they could have a do-over. Former Congressman Anthony Weiner would not be former congressman had he been able to reverse the clock and avoid the embarrassment that he brought to himself and uh, to Congress. Charlie Sheen, to be real honest, uh, Charlie Sheen may not have uh, enough time for the do-overs that uh, he might need in his life, and I don't know that he wants a a do-over. I will tell you this, I'm sure that Mitt Romney would have never spoken of the 47%. I'm certain of that. If he had a a do-over, he would go back in time and he would have never spoken about the 47%. And one more thing about Mitt Romney is that he would have learned that in the South, cheese grits are called cheese grits, not cheesy grits. And uh, that cost him a lot of votes in uh, Alabama, Georgia, and uh, North Florida. Everyone could use a do-over now and then, but do-overs do not always seem to be available. Thankfully, with the beginning of each new day, God gives us new opportunities for a do-over. Lamentation chapter 3 and verse 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This morning, I want to bring you a a message, it's a New Year's message, about your opportunities for do-over and the opportunity that is before each of us. Now, this message is going to be different than most messages that I preach. Most messages that I preach are exposition, expositional messages. That is, um, we will have a passage of Scripture and we will uh, find the text and the context and the sense of it and we will share it. Uh, with you, and we typically follow like we're doing through the Sermon on the Mount, which we will return to uh, next week. Those are expository messages. This is more of a a topical message. That being said, uh, I I will not uh, violate, will do my best not to violate the text and the context of the Scripture. Uh, It is okay to preach a topical message. It's not okay to lift something out of context and completely uh, change what that means. Uh, you should stick to the truth of Scripture, and uh, it's fine to, to have different uh, messages that speak or different passages that speak to the same topic, and from that bring a topical message, but to violate uh, the Word of God in order to justify a topic that you or I may want to uh, hear on or speak on, well, that's not all right. And so let's take a look at the do-overs in our life, and let's see where the do-over begins, and quite honestly, 
uh, a do-over in life, regardless of where it is, begins at the same place. That's the place of repenting. So the first thing that anybody would want to do or need to do in a a do-over, a second chance, is to repent. The logic behind New Year's resolutions is that we uh, did not do in the previous year what we knew that we should have done, or we did in the previous year things that we know that we should not uh, have done, and we want to make a change either to get away from what we shouldn't have done or to embrace what we should have done. Either way, a decision has to be made to make something different, and those decisions are not made without coming to a place of repentance or making a, <coughs> excuse me, making a, a turnaround uh, in our lives and go in a different direction. If you're going to take on something new, you have to look at what's already been taken on and consider what must be turned from in order to pursue that which is new. Now, in the purest sense of the word, the word repent means to turn with godly sorrow. That's the truest meaning of repentance, that I see that I'm on a road that is not where I should be, or see that I'm not on the road that is where I should be heading, and so I repent. I'm sorry before God, and I repent, and I turn uh, to the road that I should be taking or the path that I should be taking. That is the truest sense of the word repent. Not all New Year's resolutions are made that seriously, but to some extent there is a sorrow for something that is out of order or maybe out of control in our lives. And so we have to come to a place of saying, you know what, this is the last step I'm going to take in this direction, and I've got to start going in the other direction. Now, let's assume for a moment that the repentance that we are concerned with is related to our spiritual walk. Let's consider that we are looking at our spiritual lives, and we've determined, you know, there's a path I've been taking that I need to turn from, or there's something that I have failed to do that I need to begin to do. Well, then we have to make a point of repentance. Now, what is the purpose of repentance? Let's talk about that for just a moment. Why do you have to come to a place of saying, I got to stop this and start that? Well, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, this is speaking of spiritual repentance, says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed uh, for you, Jesus. Now, this passage comes from a Pentecostal uh, uh, message that Simon Peter preached. It was a message that he preached on the day of Pentecost, and it was directed toward the Jews. That being said, what was true for them and repentance is true for us. In accordance to Simon Peter, repentance has three stated purposes in the lives of those who repent. Why would anyone want to repent? What are the purposes of repenting? Well, the first we've already alluded to, and that is the purpose of turning. The person who decided that this year he or she will eat more healthy foods will probably refrain from taking the shopping cart down some of the aisles at Publix. Publix is a wonderful store, but there are some aisles, if you've made a certain decision, that you'll not need to turn down because uh, there's trouble down those aisles. Those who decide that destructive behavior has to end will take steps to turn away from the paths that have led them to those destructive behaviors. And there are a lot of destructive behaviors in life, and we take paths that lead toward them. And if we're going to overcome those destructive behaviors, 
we have to come to a place of saying, I got to turn from this. This is not the path that I want anymore. This is not the direction that I need to be going. I've got to make a change. That's the purpose of repenting, to find that new direction uh, in your life, in certain aspects of life, to say, I'm not traveling in this direction any longer. I've got to leave this path. Now, you can't have a do-over if you're not going to change the path or at least the direction of the path. So you have to think about that. Is there an area? And for most of us, and I, I realize that, that, uh, that, that New Year's resolutions have become rather cliched and those kinds of things. However, there are, uh, within the heart of most of us, there are some things, whether stated overtly or just quietly kept within us, that we know that should be changed in the year to come. Well, the question is this, how can you turn from whatever it is that you've been following that has uh, prevented you from getting there, or how can you change the direction? So the first thing that we have to see in the purpose of repenting is the fact that you get to turn. It is a time to turn. And also the purpose of repenting entails clean, uh, cleansing or, or having our lives cleaned up. Uh, Peter said that our sins would be blotted out. Wouldn't it be great to get some things so far from your life that it almost seems like they never took place? Um, I I know that I look at my life and and can hardly believe how quickly certain things have gone away. Uh, The other evening, uh, we have two grandsons. They're they're both the sons of my oldest son, his wife, Nathan and Caroline. And... um, and Bradford came over. Bradford is now five years old, and he spent the night with us. One of the most wonderful times in the world is when your grandchildren get to spend the night with you. And so he spent the night with us, and, and uh, they were, I think it was Friday night, and A&E had uh, like six or seven duck dynasties in a row. <clears throat> How many of you have discovered duck dynasty? Would you raise your hand? Uh, very interesting. They had <clears throat> dis- uh, the duck dynasties. And uh, turns out that, that my, my grandson Bradford loves Duck Dynasty. Now, his uh, daddy is a duck hunter, and so he loves Duck Dynasty. And, and Bradford called, crawled up in my lap, and uh, <clears throat> he sat down next to me, just right in the crook of my arm. And I said to him, I said, Bradford, did you know that your daddy used to sit exactly like this when he was your age, exactly like this. Now, if Nathan sat on me like that now, he would break something, you know. He's gotten bitter, and I've gotten uh, bigger, and I've gotten brittle, and <clears throat> he would break something. But, but it was just amazing to me uh, how long ago it had been. Uh, Nathan, I think, is 34, and so it, it had been 29 years uh, since I could remember Nathan as a five-year-old sitting in the crook of my arm. Time slips away from us when we're doing the right thing and when we're doing things that aren't so right. We look back and we say, can it be that I have been involved in this for that length of time? It'd be a wonderful way. uh, Wouldn't it be wonderful to to live in such a way that, that old things that shouldn't have been a part of us really could pass away? And those things that have been going on for so long. And, and there are a lot of times people say, well, this has been so long. I just, you know, I, I don't think I've, I've got a chance. I've got good news for all of us. That's the very nature of repentance. 
the very nature of repentance and of God is that when he gives us a new chance, it really is a new chance. No matter how long something has been going on that shouldn't have been going on or not going on that should have gone on. As far as God is concerned, uh, you can have a do-over once you come to a place of true repentance. And here's how that feels. It feels refreshing. When a person uh, commits a crime and, and goes to a, a prison and does the time and he gets out, there's usually a, some kind of a cloud that hangs over him or hangs over her. It's not always true, but, but it is true in many cases and probably in most cases. The purpose of repentance is so the cloud can be lifted and the freshness of a new start uh, can be realized and enjoyed. To have a fresh start, something, uh, uh, something more than the, the date on the calendar must change if you're going to have a fresh start at something. There must be some kind of a repentance uh, so that that cloud can be lifted. And if not for you, if not for others uh, to see that the cloud is lifted, for at least you to remove your own self-doubt. So if you're going to make a change, uh, you should come to a, a time of repentance. And there is a purpose in that repentance. There's also a promise that goes along with repentance. This is a wonderful promise from the Word of God. First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, First John chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is one of the most powerful and beautiful verses in Scripture. It it's, <clears throat> ranks near John 3.16 in the power index. If you were going to create a power index for verses in the Bible, this would be very high <clears throat> on the power index. John 3.16 is the promise of everlasting life. And 1 John 1.19 is the promise of complete forgiveness. That's a wonderful thing. First, we have to understand that to confess our sins, we have to come to a mindset that is in the same way with God. By the way, that's why we have to repent. We have to turn from what we were thinking and turn and say, okay, God, I want to get in the, the mindset. I want to get to where you are. I want to be able to think like you in this area, God. And so we have to get in a, a different mindset. And literally the word confession there in 1 John uh, 1.9 means to agree with God. We have to come to a place where we are in agreement with God. All of us have argued the worth of making certain changes in our lives, but it's not until we see the value uh, that there's even a hope for a, a change. We, it's not even possible that we're going to change until we agree that it's time for the change. Someone near you may have tried to get you to maybe stop smoking for years, but until you agree with them, you probably will never stop smoking. You have to come to a place of agreeing. And so it is with, with any aspect of our spiritual walk that needs to be changed. Until we agree with God that the direction that we're taking is not the right direction, we won't change it. But when we do, when we agree with God, something really, really good happens. The verse says that when we agree with God regarding sins that we are confessing to Him, He in turn cleanses us from, listen to this, all unrighteousness. You agree with God on the sins you're confessing, and God not only forgives those sins, but He uh, cleans you up from all unrighteousness. Re repentant confession of sin has the effect of removing the stain of sin, 
even those sins that you've not confessed. Now you say, how is that so? Well, that's what the Bible says. If we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what I've done before. I have been praying, confessing sin, and talking to the Lord. I have said, Lord, I I know about this sin. I'm confessing this before you. And then another sin will, will come to mind, and I know about this, and I confess this before you. And I agree with you, God. That is a that is a wrong direction for me in my life. That is a wrong thing. You would never have led me there. I went there in, in, uh, against what you were trying to lead me to do. And then I might come to a place and say, all right, Lord, I no longer can remember the things that I need to confess. Now would you please remind me of things that I need to confess? And let me tell you this, ask and you shall receive. God will remind you. So you're there, you're repenting, and you say, God, now I'm going to ask you to remind me of some certain things that I need to repent, and God will remind you of those things. So you repented those things that you remembered, and then you repented those things that God had you to remember. And then you might even say this, God, now is there anything else? Now here's what God says. God says in his word, no, I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. <clears throat> I can assure you that any time you or I confess sins, that there are more sins that we didn't think of or that God didn't bring to our mind, things that maybe we didn't even think were sins, but, and God has not yet dealt with them in our lives. Here's what I want you to know. You live under the forgiveness of those sins. You walk in, in uh, mercy, and you walk in grace, and when you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all of the sin in your life. I stand before you today, not a perfect man, but I do stand before you today as a person who is completely forgiven in Jesus Christ. When I confess my sins to him, first of all, when I got saved, uh, he put a covering over me that now the Father sees. And on my daily sins, when I confess my sin, he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. We went to Nashville and, and uh, over the, the Christmas holidays and and two of my nieces got saved. And, uh, and we were talking about their salvation at Meemaw's house. And, and uh, they were they brand new in it and, and brand new in understanding. And, and so I began to explain to them uh, what it means to be forgiven of their sin. And I, I went and I got uh, uh, my wife's uh, red winter coat. And I brought it in. I said, let me show you how God looks at you now. And the youngest of the, of the two daughters, <clears throat> she's a teenager, I had her to stand. And I, I put that coat around her. And I said, now, uh, when the Father sees you, he sees what has cleansed you from all of your sin. He sees it. Well, if we've been cleansed from all of our sin, why do we need to confess our sin daily? Why do we need to continue to go to God and ask him for forgiveness of sin? I'll tell you the reason that I need to do it. I need to do it for conscience sake. I need to do it for power's sake. I don't need for my conscience to condemn me. Now, there's not a sin that I can commit on this earth, and I really mean this, that would cause me to go to hell. And here's the reason, because I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when the Father sees me, he sees what his son Jesus Christ did for me. 
That being said, I want to walk daily to please the Lord. I want to be able to serve him when I stand before you and preach. I want to be able to preach in such a way that I believe God can bless what I preach. So what do I do? I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I want to confess my sin. I want to make sure that uh, there's nothing between me and you. I want to make sure that you forgive me and you forget all of my sin. So here's, here's the way that it works. When we confess our sin, Ask God to help us to remember our sin, and we confess our sin. He forgives us of all of that sin, and let me tell you this, he never brings it up again. Don't you wish that marriage was like that? Wouldn't that be a good thing? When you just really goof up and say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and then you say, okay, I ask for forgiveness, and you get forgiveness, and you never hear about it again. Well, that's the way it is with God. If you want to do over, it's got to start by repenting. Here's the second thing. After you repent, then you want to renew. Most of you know about, uh, two, that about two years ago, I, I uh, was able to purchase an, an old car, an old muscle car, a 1970 Chevelle uh, Super Sport. Now, I don't love that car, but I really do like it. I, I honestly don't love it. In, in the past, before I got it, someone took that car and renewed it. Now, that car is 43 years old. That, that car is older than any of my children. That car is older than me, me, most of you. It, that car is, is a lot older. But somebody came through and they renewed it. Now, it's not perfect, but it's, it's much more than anybody would expect for a car that's 43 uh, years old. And I'll go out once in a while and I'll start it up and I'll maybe back it out of the garage and drive it around the block just to roll the tires and, and uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, and I've even thought about having something done to it, maybe having it renewed again. Now, the only reason that I would have it renewed again is to increase value. That's the only reason that I would do that. Uh, it's, it's, that's the only thing is, is would my investment increase the value so that it would be uh, worth more at the time it comes for me to sell it. That is the nature of a lot of things in life and of life itself. Once we have renewed, uh, we come to a place where we have to renew again. And the reason that we renew again is to maintain or raise our value. Now, I say this lovingly. I really do. I say it lovingly. But, but there may be somebody here in this room, you haven't renewed your spiritual walk in many, many years. And, and it's kind of gotten crusty and it's kind of gotten mundane and it's kind of, you know, it's just kind of is what it is. But you want to be able to renew uh, your walk. You, you want your, your life to, to be refurbished, always looking uh, to God the way that it should look to our God. And, and you want it to add value. In fact, there is worth in uh, the renewing of our lives. Uh, what's the worth of renewing your, your spiritual life? Well, Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A clean heart and a right spirit are two assets in life that are powerful. They're powerful beyond description. And you want to get those things so that you can live. John spoke of having a heart that condemns us. Nobody wants a heart that condemns us. You, you, don't, you don't want to say things. I, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, a case in point. I think last week, was it last week that... Um, that former Vice President Al Gore uh, sold, he and his partners sold their, their um, television network to Al Jazeera, uh, which is, um, uh, I don't know who, who they are. They, I know this, they're not 
found they're not uh, headquartered in Alabama, uh, <clears throat> but uh, maybe Alibaba, but uh, not Alabama. And, <clears throat> and, and he sold it to them, and, and he got $100 million. Now, one of the reasons that the sale went through last year or, or last week was because he wanted to protect himself from some of the new tax laws that were going to come out in 2013. There's just no way around it. That's what he wanted to do. Now, the, the problem with that is that for a long time, uh, he, had, um, he had preached just the opposite. He had preached the fair share thing and, and all of that kind of business. Yet last week, uh, he closed a, a $100 million deal, $100 million deal for himself. It was a $500 million deal overall, but $100 million for himself. And he was able to avoid uh, probably enough taxation to be able to save himself millions of dollars or keep for himself millions of dollars instead of uh, paying his fair share and, and sharing with other people and so forth and so on. Now, I said all that to say this. Now, I, I don't particularly care for Al Gore, but that's not the reason I said it. I said that because anybody with conscience, their heart would condemn them over that. It would really bother them because they know the stand that they've always taken, and now they've done another thing. We don't want our hearts to condemn us. Living from a guilty conscience is, is an unhappy, and it's an unproductive life. We don't want to live like that. If, if you want your conscience to be seared, uh, which would make you basically amoral, you just have no morality. And I don't believe that anybody in this room wants that. But if you want your conscience to be, to be seared, then just forget the idea of repentance and renewal. And your conscience will become very difficult and very tough. But the problem with that is, that it doesn't give you the advantages to the, the daily walk and the new opportunities that you can and should have. Not only is there a worth to it, but there is a weight in renewal. Isaiah 40 and verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now here's something interesting. While forgiveness and refreshing comes with repentance and is instantaneous, renewal in our lives takes a while. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. Uh, to those of you who are senior saints, I, I, would, I would encourage you not to stop renewing your life. I would encourage you to not say, well, you know, that's just the way that I am and and I know that maybe this ought to change, but I'm too old. to Look here. If you're still here, you can still renew. You, you can still make things different. This is a message about beginning a new year, but it should be about making a new life, <clears throat> a renewing that will not be complete until we stand complete before the Lord. And we have to work at it, and it takes a long, long time. I go to a, a local gym and uh, <clears throat> try to work out three days a week. And I get to know uh, some of the people in that gym. And, and you may ever not really know their names, but you know their faces. You know them to speak to them on the treadmill or, or whatever it may be. And uh, there was a young woman uh, who a couple of years ago, she came in there. And I guess she'd been coming all along. I don't know. But, but <clears throat> a couple of years ago, she came in and she happened to come into the workout room where I was doing some workout. 
And this is a very large girl. Uh, she was very, very large. I don't know what she weighed. That's not important. I'm not going to lessen the story by talking about it, but she was very, very large. And, and she came in, and <clears throat> I looked at her, and I thought, wow, bless her heart. This is a tough thing for her. Do you know, I came back, and she was there the next time, and I came back, and she was there the third time. And, and you know, she's just been coming just right along. I, I can remember, you know, when she would do certain exercise, I can remember the noise that she would make, you know, and, and it, was, it, was, it was sweet and pitiful. She just, it hurt her. It hurt her so badly. But one day, I don't know, uh, I don't know how long ago, she happened to be in the same room with me, and, and, I, uh, and she was working, and, and I noticed, and I said, I, I want to say something to you if it's all right. And she said, sure. And I said, you've lost a lot of weight, haven't you? She said, 150 pounds. <laughs> I just smiled from ear to ear. And I said, well, good for you. That is so wonderful. She said, it's hard, but I'm still working at it. I said, well, you keep at it, girl. I am proud. If, if nobody's told you today, I am proud of you, really proud of you. And she continues. Do You know, the, the Bible teaches us that we ought to have a spirit like that. It teaches us that we shouldn't be weary and well-doing. Now, I'm sure she gets tired, but she hasn't given up. She hasn't thrown it away. She has continued to stay with it. Something in your life needs to be removed and, and it will or renewed and it's going to take time. If it is in your spiritual life, I can give you some advice on, on how and uh, to get to where you want to be regardless of the amount of time. And that is the way. What is the way to renew? We know the worth of it and we know that there's a weight involved, but what's the way? Well, Romans 12 and verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our transformation comes by refusing the confirmation to the way of everybody around us. That begins the transformation. And that's not easy. It's really not an easy thing. I've told you these kinds of things before, and they're kind of trite. But the only way for me to keep from eating more pecan pie is for there not to be any in the house. That's just the only way. That is literally the only way for me not to eat it. Because I'm going to conform in that area to people around me. That's why sometimes when you go to a restaurant with people, you say, hey, what are you going to have? And you're hoping they don't say, a salad with light dressing. Because there's something inside of you that wants to do more than you are planning to do. There's something inside of you that, that yearns for more. But we have to be able uh, to not conform to the world around us. And that's how you get to the renewal in your life. You take those spiritual applications and practical applications and you just don't conform to the world around you. You just don't. And so 
Uh, moving on, I, I want to share with you the third thing very quickly. First of all, if you're going to get a do-over, there's got to be some repentance involved, and there's certainly renewal. And then comes the place of restoring. The, the wear of time and, and the strain of relationships can dilapidate things in our lives and, and relations of our lives. It can even dilapidate our will to live. There are a lot of people that have lost the will to live because they've not been restored it's like I was talking to you earlier. If you're a senior saint and you just, oh, I've just lost the will. Live in a time of, of, of re- restoration. There's some things you want restored to your life. What do you want restored? Well, the psalmist said he wanted blessings restored. In Psalm 51 and 12, he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. King David realized that he had become complacent in his life, and he needed a do-over, and he needed new joy. There's sometimes people think, well, I need a new place. If I go to a new house, that'll give me new joy. If I go to a new job, that'll give me... A lot of people say, well, if I can just change churches, then I'll have new joy. I want to tell you something. There is no new joy until there's a renewal and a restoration. You have to see your joy restored, your own personal joy restored. And could I just say this, that chances are there's nothing standing between you and joy except you. You you want to see your, your blessings in life restored sometimes like David our heart grows cold and our ambitions fade and and we're just life just isn't as precious to us as it should have been in the matter of restoration in life you want to see your blessings and your joy restored you want to see brothers restored too those people around you Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual uh, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. One ingredient of the do-overs in life is the willingness of people around us to restore us. You see somebody and, well, what do you, what's your New Year's resolution? Well, I want to do this. Well, that's not going to last. Well, thank you so much. We have people near to us that need for us to restore them. Here's a letter that I I got, an email that I got a few days ago concerning my friend who's in prison in Michigan. Just went to prison, actually. A pastor friend, he had done a wrong thing. I've changed the names, but I want to read this to you. Larry, I actually changed the name to your name, so forgive me for that. But... uh, I just wanted to let you know that I talked to Larry this evening. This is his wife writing. It was so nice to hear his voice, and it did my heart good to be able to tell him that I loved him and hear him say the same to me. I set up a phone account through JPay where Larry can call my cell phone. I set it up last evening and was able to call this evening, and he was able to call this evening. Larry sounded very good. He said he's doing okay. He mailed a letter to me on Friday, but I haven't received it yet. I have sent him several emails through JPay, but he hasn't received them yet. He was able to get a Bible, so I I know that is a comfort to him to be able to read God's love letter. He is in Jackson Prison in the Guidance Center, 
This is where he has entered into the prison system, evaluated physically, mentally, and educationally. They call his process quarantine, and he is not allowed to have any visitors. We have placed money into an account so he can buy essentials, writing paper, stamps, and so forth. He's allowed to receive mail there, but it is censored. Do not send money, magazines, newspaper articles, stickers, or stamps. That brother needs to be restored. You know somebody that needs to be restored? How do you do that? How do you restore somebody? How should he be restored when he gets out of prison or, or even now? His restoration should, should be the same as anyone else's restoration. And there's two keys to it. First of all, you should be gentle. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness is what the text said. If we do not restore with gentleness, we probably do not intend to restore. How many of you have seen the movie Les Miserables? Would you raise your hand? You've seen it, Les Miserables. I saw both uh, a play in New York and I saw uh, the movie uh, Les Miserables. Powerful, powerful movie so interesting. It starts out with a guy named Jean Valjean who, and I may not be pronouncing his name right, I should probably sing it, but uh, <clears throat> Jean Valjean um, starts out and he's, he's being, uh, he's getting out of prison after serving a prison term for stealing a loaf of bread. And, uh, and it was during the time of, of some French harshness just prior, I guess, to the French Revolution or during that period of time. And he, he was given a piece of paper, and he had to live with that piece of paper. And everywhere he goes, that piece of paper would mark him as a, an ex-con. And he had to present it. And they were very harsh in those days. And there was no gentleness, with the exception of a Catholic priest who expressed forgiveness to him when he stole some things from the, from the church and was going to run out. And the Catholic priest showed gentleness and love. And just as there's humility in repentance, there is humility in restoration. If you have someone in your life who needs to be restored, restore them gently. Oh, we have a tendency of, to not do that. We have a tendency to not be gentle. We have a tendency of saying, well, what somebody ought to do is, what you ought to do with that guy is, what you ought to do with this person is. That young man so deranged that killed all of those children in Newtown, Connecticut. Oh, it took, I think, a week and a half or more for anyone to claim his body. You feel sorry for him? I don't know how to feel about him. I really don't. But I know this, that there's a lot of gentleness in ministering to those people who are victims, and there's gentleness in trying to restore those people who are the culprits. 
You have to be gentle if you're going to restore a brother. And second, you've got to be genuine. You've got to be real. Here's a great verse from uh, Sermon on the Mount, Luke, or from Jesus, Luke chapter 6 and verse 14. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, uh, let, us, let me take that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. When it comes to restoration, the best thing to do is remember your own faults. That's the best thing to do. That's why a lot of times we, we, our response when somebody says, what do you think about this person? Our, our response should be, I'm not real sure what I should think about this person. And the reason is because we know who we are on the inside. We should be gentle and we should be genuine. There's one more thing. And, and we've had some long preliminaries today. But let me get this last thing. And that is return. If you want to do over, you've got to repent, renew, restore, and return. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. The way we normally think is that we need to move on and get a fresh start. We need to start something new. Jeremiah told Israel just the opposite. He said, you don't need anything new. What you need is to find the path that that you were walking on. You need to find the route. Here's an interesting verse. In Acts 17, 21, now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing else except telling and hearing some new things. Sometimes the the do-over is found in coming back to the proven route, not looking for some new thing. We need to learn that in our lives. We need to establish some routes and look at some routes. I will say this to most all of us. If, if most of us could just go back to the way that we were raised, we'd do better. We could just take a a step back to how we were raised and and what our parents and grandparents intended to put in us. We should return to the route and to the routine. Once you have found the, the road again, you have to walk the path, getting back to what worked in your life before. And finding those things that you know to be profitable but have never established in your life. I know that there are many of us who are seriously looking at a do-over in 213. There's a way to make that happen, but we have to work with God on it. And here's what that means. That means repentance, big or small, renewal, restoration, and return. God is full of second chances. You can go ahead and risk it. Would you bow your heads for prayer, please? You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, 
Dr. Randy Ray, lchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.